You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Immigration Hour on the America's Web Radio. Uh, this is your host, Charles Cook. Great to be with you, David. How are you feeling this week? David looks, David looks good, everybody. It looks really good. Well, thank you, sir. It's, uh, it's been, I tell you what, getting, my, getting the permission to drive again helped. <laughs> I uh, bet you did. Um, I'm sure you were taking Uber everywhere. I was dying. You have I, your personal Uber driver. I had my own personal <laughs> Uber driver, Michael, and uh, he, uh, he, he did a good job until last Friday, and uh, uh, I had to be someplace at 10 o'clock. He said, I'll be there to pick you up at 9 o'clock. It'll take about an hour to get there, and uh, at 9 o'clock he wasn't here. Uh, I called him. He said he... Uh, Something had come up, and he wasn't going to be able to make it till 9.30, a quarter to 10. And I said, well, you know, you set the price. You told me when you'd be here, and uh, I think this ends our friendship. Your relationship. You're out of here, Mr. Google Driver. So yep. that, 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 that was easy for you, wasn't it? Yep, and, I, and I, my car was right next to me. I climbed in my car, and... Uh, I didn't want to drive. Uh, I'd been told to try to stay off of 285 and 85. Well, that'd keep the blood pressure down. For those of you who don't know, David had massive heart surgery about a month ago, David. Is that a month and a half at this point? Yeah, 5th of January. 5th of January, which is a little over a month. It's, it's, but it's great to see him back. Uh, David, while you were gone, uh, I know we did a show a couple weeks ago, but in the last couple of weeks, there have been some major shifts in the immigration landscape that we certainly want to talk about today. Uh, that really go to the heart of, uh, of the current debate. Uh, the Democrats, uh, when they caved on the, uh, the ill-timed uh, government shutdown, uh, which was really, truly poorly planned, uh, they got a commitment from, from Mitch McConnell that they would have the opportunity to present an immigration bill on the floor of the Senate. Now, Mitch kind of played them a little bit. Uh, what Mitch has done is he brought a bill last night to the floor. It was some sort of bizarre spending bill from the House on some useless thing that they sent over. And they voted to gut the bill to its shell. So there's literally nothing in the bill. Uh, that vote was 97 to 1. Uh, and then uh, now they're voting uh, on amendments. So there's a free-willing amendment. You, Senator, I propose that we amend uh, Senate bill blah, blah, blah with the following amendment. And then they have an up-and-down vote. And they're going to do that through Thursday, is Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, uh, and at the end of that time frame, then they'll have a vote. Whatever, whatever gets sixty votes, gets in the bill. Um, could be bad stuff, could be good stuff, could be crazy stuff, could be wonderful stuff. Uh, and at the end of that debate on Thursday, they have a final vote on that bill. If that final bill gets sixty votes, then bam, it passes the Senate and goes to the House. Wherein lies the great problem? Because uh, Speaker Trump, oh, I'm sorry, Speaker Ryan, I, it's hard to tell them apart anymore, uh, has said that he will not let the House consider any bill unless the president will sign it. Now, this is an interesting standard, David, don't you think? Uh, you, you have the Constitution here. I just out of curiosity, is the presidency and Congress in separate articles? I'm, I'm just curious about that. I, you, you're a constitutional expert. You, you do, in fact, David does, in fact, have the Constitution here. And, in fact, they are separate articles of the Constitution, which would mean they are, if I'm not mistaken, what we would call co-equal branches of government. Uh, 
So why would uh, Speaker Ryan require that Trump pre-approve any bill before the House votes on it? it I, have a, I have a question, David. Perhaps you can answer this because you are an expert in Obamacare. Oh, yeah. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the House of Representatives under Speaker Ryan voted 57 times to overturn Obamacare knowing the president wouldn't sign it. Is that, that must be something different, though, right? Uh, or is that just hypocrisy? I mean, I, I, I could get confused on the hypocrisy thing here. So it's okay to vote on something that you know the president won't sign if it's in your political benefit – but it's not okay to vote on something you don't know if the president will sign if it's not in your political benefit. Here's what we know about Donald Trump. He has not vetoed anything. He didn't even veto the Russian sanctions bill, which he refused to implement. Um, likely because he's in the pocket of the Russians, but that's a separate talk show. Um, so you've got a situation where the Senate's going to pass a bill, and I think they'll pass something. Uh, it might have good stuff, might have bad stuff. One thing I do know is it's not going to be Donald Trump's wish list from the State of the Union. Uh, it may have a variation of that, but it's not going to be that wish list. Uh, so if, if but, and Ryan knows, he knows undoubtedly that if that Senate bill is put on the floor of the House, that there are 218 votes to pass it. Now, a lot of those are going to come from Democrats, but there's going to be a chunk of Republicans that are going to vote for that bill time uh, also. Um, and he doesn't know whether Trump will sign it because who knows? Maybe, David, you know where Donald Trump stands on issues. I have no idea. It's impossible to tell because he literally changes his mind from hour to hour, depending on who last spoke to him. Uh, so we've got this debate going on right now in the Senate, and, and it's very curious uh, in the Senate uh, to see if there really is going to be some sort of uh, real order here or if there's going to be some level of um, 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 debate as these bills are introduced. My, my understanding of how this is going to work, David, is interesting. So the bills on the floor passed 97 to 1 last night. Starting today, I think, I think right now, uh, although I'm, I'm going to try to check online to check. But right now, it's 10 o'clock in the morning, our time, on a Tuesday morning. Uh, they are going to begin to introduce bills. Now, last uh, Monday morning, uh, Senators Grassley, Cotton, Tillis, and Purdue basically rewrote Purdue and Cotton's anti-immigration bill, threw a couple more bad things in it, and then said, here's our bill. Uh, that has zero chance of getting 50, even 50 votes. It's not going to get 50 votes. Zero. Uh, and in fact, yesterday, last night, uh, we know McCain's not there. And what's the dude from Louisiana or Mississippi that's really sick? Is that Thad Cochran? There's another, there's another Republican missing. That's why there's only 98 votes on the bill. Uh, so there's two Republicans missing. Now, one of those, McCain, is likely to vote for anything positive and likely to vote against anything negative. So that's a bad loss for him. But that means there's what that means, David, is there's 49 Republicans. And there's 49 Democrats. That's who's voting on the bill. Now, this is really interesting. Uh, you got to get to 60, which means any bill that garners all the Democrat votes has got to get 11 Republican votes. So you ask yourself, are there 11 Republican votes for a bill that allows for people with DACA and related people to get a green card? And you know one thing I really detest, David? 
is when and you've not talked about this before when they talk about giving the dreamers citizenship and we've talked about this because these kids aren't demanding citizenship what they're demanding is legal status and the right to move forward with their lives that's really what they want they want something that will put them on a path if should they eventually choose to become citizens, and I would guess most dreamers will become citizens, but this bill would not give, and no bill would give them citizenship immediately. We're talking about a period of 10 to 12 years. Uh, so that's kind of out there, and if we have this bill that gives, whether it's 1.8, whether it's 800,000, whether it's 2.5 million dreamers an access to legal status in the United States, to coupled with money for border enforcement, money for uh, uh, Trump's folly, uh, money for uh, uh, an increased interior enforcement. That bill is going to pass with 49 votes and at least one Republican because Jeff Flake came out last night and said he would not vote for any bill, no bill, that eliminates legal immigration, family immigration, and Orrin Hatch has done the exact same thing. You know what those two men have in common, David? Come on, you got to help me out here. What does Jeff Flake, Senator Jeff Flake, and Senator Orrin Hatch have in common? They're both Mormons. Now, as a Mormon myself, I would suggest that uh, somebody has received a call and said, look, guys, uh, you cannot oppose immigration because immigration is good for America. Immigration is good for the church. Immigration is good for America. Families are good for the church. Families good for America. Do not be cutting into this. And so that's why I think they will not be part of this. Um, I don't know about Mike Lee. Mike Lee might also say the same thing. Uh, Mike Lee from Utah is also a uh, uh, the other uh, the junior senator from Utah. My suggestion is he will also likely vote against any bill that cuts legal immigration, uh, which means you've got 52 votes right there on that bill. Uh, I would suggest that there likely are eight other Republicans out there who would vote for that bill. Can I name them? Hmm, probably not, uh, off the top of my head. Uh, maybe we, in, during a break I can go look at the breakdown of the senators and see who I think might vote for something like that. Um, now, on the on the flip side, this... Uh, uh, the cotton Purdue, cotton pick and Purdue bill with 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 Grassley and Tillis, pure anti-immigration. One of the provisions in there, David, and this is stunning. So you're it only protects about eight hundred thousand doc pure DACA kids. Um, if you fl- file for this, you are sign you are, as part of it. You are signing an agreement <clears throat> that says, if in the future you violate any immigration law or you get convicted of a crime of any kind, <clears throat> and unclear that might not include traffic offenses, for example, you are pre-agreeing to your deportation. That is a complete elimination of due process and really contrary to American values uh, where we always give people a second chance, um, especially those with long-term ties to the United States like Dreamers. That bill has no chance of garnering more then and, and then, then of course it, it builds the wall. It uh, eliminates other various areas of due process. It eliminates family-based immigration, uh, or you know they try to spin this, David. It, it allows for the immigration of the nuclear family. Now, did I say that the George Bush way? Nuclear, nuclear, nuclear uh, family. I have to. This is a question I, I would like your true, honest opinion on, David. To you, what is the nuclear family? That word, you've used it ever before in your life. You know what it means. What does it mean to you? 
I'm curious. You must have an opinion on what it means. Oh, come on. Is it? Does it mean your wife and, and your minor children? Does it mean your parents? Are your parents part of your nuclear family? Now, David's saying no. He doesn't think they are. See, I think they absolutely are. Um, because who's going to take care of my parents when they get old? Me. You know, that's the interesting part. Americans, we tend to think everybody in the world's like us, when in fact most people aren't like us. When our parents get old outside the country, who cares for them? Their kids. You go to a lot of countries around the world, there are no nursing homes. People at home being cared for by the children. That's family. That's a nuclear family. Um, siblings, you know, siblings are an issue. Uh, I, we only allow in 65,000 siblings a year. And right now, David, there are over, if the numbers I have seen are right, uh, there are over four, three, two and a half to three million people in the sibling line. Large chunk of those are Mexican nationals. So for a Mexican sibling, it's about an 80, 90, 100 year wait. Uh, if you are just a regular old sibling, not Mexican, it's somewhere around a 20 year wait. There's that that's sixty five thousand you can play with, but every other category are parents and children. That's it, parents and children, uh, and it could be minor children, it could be adult children with with kids, but they're 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 part of what I would consider uh, as a family focused guy, my nuclear family. Um, so that bill eliminates that. You can only bring in your your wife uh, and your uh, children under eighteen. They're eighteen in one day. No, they're not mine. You know, even yeah, they could still be in high school. But so what? They can't come in. Sorry for you. Too bad. You lose. Have a nice day. Um, so that bill has no chance of getting. I would guess maybe forty votes, maybe forty two votes in the Senate. Um, so it's it from that perspective. Uh, there's very little upside, very little downside to letting, letting him put that bill into place. Uh, now, putting it on the floor, that bill will not get any, uh, not get any votes to pass, so it'll be it'll guy. So that, what's the next question? Since, that, since that's the bill that carries Trump's water and it has zero chance of getting 60 votes, zero, that will not be in the bill. So the, the bill, and we have Rubio... Uh, who is uh, saying that we need to have a narrow bill. Uh, Lee has said we need to have a narrow bill. Uh, let's take a look at, uh, at some of these uh, current, current members uh, of the Republican Party in the Senate. Um, we've got, um, uh, let's see who we got here. Uh, John Barrasso uh, from uh, Wyoming. Uh, let's go through these senators. Let's see who's, who we have for a possible vote to support the DREAM Act. We'll be back in a second on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. A las 404-816-8611 O visítenos al www.immigration.net Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national. Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, welcome back to the Immigration uh, uh, Hour on America's Web Radio. Um, it is, uh, we were talking to, just now, David, about um, the senator. So we've got Lamar Alexander from Tennessee. I, I'm thinking Lamar would go for a narrow bill. So that's one. John Barrasso, Wyoming? Hmm, probably not. Roy Blunt, Missouri? No. Uh, John Bozeman, Arkansas? No. Richard Burr, North Carolina? Possibly. Shelley Capito? No, from West Virginia. Bill Cassidy from Louisiana? Um, maybe. He's definitely a strong maybe. Thad Cochran from Mississippi? I don't think he's there. I think him and, him and McCain are both ill. Uh, Susan Collins, Maine? Yeah. There's a strong possibility she will do it. That's four. Bob Corker, Tennessee. Did you hear he's thinking about running for re-election again? Yeah, I saw the note last night. Uh, I think he's wildly unimpressed with with um, uh, the uh, Marsha Blackburn, uh, who is running for a seat. And um, I think uh, he's, he's fearful for for Tennessee should, uh, should she keep running. So I wouldn't be surprised to have him back. Cornyn, no. Cotton, no. Mike Crapo. Mike Crippo's a maybe on this. He's a maybe on this from Idaho. Steve Daines, Montana? Probably not. Uh, Mike Enzi from Wyoming? No. Joni Ernst from Iowa? No. Je- Re- Deb Fisher from Nebraska? No. Jeff Flake? There you go. Six. Um, Lindsey Graham? Seven. Uh, Chuck Grassley? No. Orrin Hatch? Eight. Yeah, okay. Dean Heller, Nevada? Nine, for sure. Um, let's see, John Hoven in North Dakota, no. James Inhofe, Oklahoma, no. Johnny Isaacson, probably no. He'll do whatever Purdue tells him to do. Ron Johnson, Wisconsin, probably not. John Kennedy, Louisiana, probably no. Uh, Lankford, Oklahoma, no. Mike Lee, yeah, probably 10. McCain's not there. Mitch McConnell, no. Uh, Jerry Moran, Kansas, no. Lisa Murkowski, Alaska, possible number 11. Rand Paul. Rand Paul, meh, probably not, but maybe. David Perdue, for sure, no. Rob Portman, Ohio. There's 12. Okay. Uh, Rich uh, James Rich uh, from Idaho, probably not. Pat Roberts, Kansas, no. Mike Round, South Dakota, no. Marco Rubio, there's 14. Okay. Ben Sass, Nebraska, you got 15. Tim Scott, South Carolina, maybe 16. Richard Shelby, no. Uh, Dan Sullivan, Alaska, no. John Thune, South Dakota, probably not. Tillis, apparently not. Pat Toomey, Pennsylvania, given the fight he's got going on there, maybe. That's 14, That's 15. So you've got um, Roger Wicker, Mississippi, no. Young, uh, Todd Young, Indiana, no. So there are 15 Republicans, David, that I would call that would vote for this bill. This A narrow bill that gives Dreamers residence and a path to residence over a period of like 12 years. Uh, and uh, also gives uh, also gives Trump a wall and, a, and some border money and stuff like that. Um, of those fifteen, I think there's at least five that would not vote for anything other than that. Uh, so I think there is actually a strong likelihood uh, that we will get a positive bill out of the Senate. And I, I, I don't see the numbers for the Republicans in putting forth a bill uh, that uh, is not going to. It's not, simply not going to get any any Democratic votes. 
believing the Democrats will vote in block here, uh, although there are a couple like Joe Manchin that might go out on the, out on the reservation. Uh, but I think the rest will, will hold the block here. Uh, I think that's uh, pretty much what, uh, what we're looking for as part of this process. And I think that as we, uh, as, as we look at that and we examine uh, what, um, um, what we, we will see as part of the, uh, uh, the amendment process that goes forward over the course of the next day and a half, uh, I think we're going to see something actually pretty darn good uh, come out of this, something that actually will uh, be positive for the dreamers, but at the same time is likely has zero chance of, uh, of passing the United States Senate. Um, and I mean, uh, th- and that really is the unfortunate part. Uh, uh, that's that's part of this, and I'm, I'm disappointed that's the case. But um, there was a great article uh, written, uh, published in Forbes, written by Stuart Anderson. Stuart Anderson is a f- uh, kind of a immigration uh, guy. He worked in the Bush administration on immigration issues. Worked for the Chamber of Commerce, and he wrote an article called uh, about merit-based immigration. Dave, you've heard that, that Trump's talked about this about merit-based immigration. Uh, that's code. Much like anchor babies, uh, much like illegal aliens, uh, much like um, chain immigration, merit-based immigration is code for fewer immigrants. Here is the surprise part. Now, Dave, you listened to me for eight years talk about immigration. I could probably give you the final exam that I gave to my law students last semester, and you'd probably do better than most of them on that test. Um, because they didn't do very well at all. Uh, I love you guys, but you didn't do very well at all. Probably my teaching method was terrible. Or maybe the test was just too darn hard. Uh, What you would see is that we already have a merit-based system. Uh, From the employment side, uh, on which we allow 140,000 immigrants a year, which, as everybody knows, includes the, uh, the, the individual and their family, uh, and so it's only really about 40,000, 45,000 immigrants a year getting jobs in America or investing in America. They have to prove, most of them, that there's no qualified, willing, and able U.S. workers. So none of them are replacing U.S. workers. Um, they have to prove they have extraordinary ability. They have to prove that they're outstanding research professors or they're uh, being transferred by a multinational company to be a manager or executive. Or they have to prove they're working in religion. Or they've got a, a, a ministers, because we, we don't have enough ministers here. Um, and finally, they have to prove they've, they've invested a million or half a million dollars in America. That's a true merit-based system, which we already have. Now, I think what, what Trump means, and it's tough to, I mean, I don't want to be a, 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 um, a Trump diviner of any kind. Um, but what he means is a point-based system. So they want to allocate, okay, you speak English, that is a point. You have a bachelor's degree, that is a point. Uh, you are, you pass a civics test, that's a point. Uh, you uh, believe that Donald Trump is godlike in his powers, that's two points. Uh, you um, uh, want to contribute money to America, that's one point. So you get these points for doing things. Uh, this comes right out of the Purdue Cotton Bill, <clears throat> which... Uh, would mean, and David, you and I went over this already, you don't qualify, I don't qualify to immigrate to America, even though I, I speak English, I have an advanced degree, I contribute money to the economy, I don't qualify because I'm not young enough. And they would only let young people into America. And here's the trickery part. So they want to have this system, this point-based system that lets immigrants in, and then they, at the same time, 
They want to stop those same immigrants from being successful here and bringing their parents in. So what does that mean? Let's, let's just draw the logical conclusion of that. Uh, the family size around the world is one or two kids. Uh, they said their kid comes to America because they've educated their kid abroad. Kid wins the they win the, the merit based points and they get here. Then they're said, oh, you can't ever bring your kids here, your parents here. And you go, what? No, no. So when your parents get old, they're just going to die back home without you. So what's going to happen? They're going to leave America. At a certain point, those immigrants are going to say, I'm leaving America and going back to take care of my parents. Because that's what I believe culturally, my religiously, philosophically, that's what I believe. So it's a system designed to basically borrow people for a few years before they leave the country again to take care of their parents. See, there are, there are actual real-life consequences uh, to the Trump administration uh, doing and, and, and advocating for these, these, these policies that have no basis in economics – in societal sociological studies, have no basis in in philosophy, have no basis in American history or American uh, values. They just don't like immigrants. They just don't like people who aren't white. Is it race based? Of course, it's race based. Our current system is race based, for goodness sakes. It, it can't be anything other than race based. So as we have, as Trump tries to push this idea of merit based immigration. What he's really talking about is a is a fifty percent reduction in all immigration areas to shrink the size of the U.S. population, to shrink our economy, to make jobs less available, to let to make investment less attractive. That's what this program really, really does. Um, and to think that uh, that it's anything other than that is just not based in reality. Uh, I was on Facebook the other day uh, uh, in an argument on Facebook uh, with a friend from high school who also believes that nuclear family is just you and your kids under the age of 18. And I asked her, is that how you treat your kids after they're 18? And just say, okay, your birthday, out of the house, big boy, you're gone, have a nice day. I uh, hope your life has been good. Uh, talk to me, uh, make sure you bury me face right side up. Uh, because that's, in fact, what this does. Um, and I, I, you know, you think you know people. You think you're up in the same values in the same town. You go, wow, I don't, I don't know you anymore. I don't, I don't know where you came from. I don't know that your dad or your mom would believe that same thing. Um, the uh, the folks at Cato, uh, led by David Beer, along with Stuart Anderson and uh, uh, and our friend Alex Naraste, uh, has said this about that plan, the White House plan. Quote. The plan would cut the number of legal immigrants by up to 44%, or half a million immigrants annually, the largest policy-driven legal immigration cut since the 1920s, which led pretty directly to the, to, to the at least indirectly, to the, to the massive depression in the 30s. Compared to current law, it would exclude nearly 22 million people from the opportunity to immigrate legally to the U.S. over the next five decades. And I think that number is actually a lot lower. Uh, if we go back to 1965 uh, and we implement the Trump policy from 65 when we liberalized our immigration policy, uh, we see that there would be, uh, if the number is right, somewhere around 40 million fewer people in America today. That's 
40 fewer million people to serve in our military, to serve in our uh, in, in our emergency services, uh, to serve as, uh, as college professors, uh, to construct our houses. Um, it, it would be literally making America into a second world country. That's what it would do. It, if we implement it retroactively going forward, it's exactly what it will do. It will shrink the American economy. It will make us less competitive globally. It will make us less a target for people who want to grow their lives, grow their business, make their lives better, and it will make us much worse off. Where is the actual hearings on these issues? Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. David, I'm laughing. Sorry. Welcome back to America's Web Radio, the Immigration Hour. Uh, this is the most listened to uh, podcast on the known universe. Um, David, is that right? Is that our number show? On immigration, not on, not on any podcast, but certainly on immigration. Uh, I do want to thank all our loyal listeners. Uh, if you ever have any comment, you know, we'd love to hear from you. I, I can't believe more people don't want to be on the show. Is, is that is that bad? People shouldn't be on the show. We get more people on the show. I need to get some of my friends on. Uh, so let's say that fifty percent of all immigrants who enter the United States on family based visas. These are the visas that Trump wants to eliminate. Fifty percent of these immigrants on family or diversity visas in 2015 had at least a college degree. Wow. Do you know what the average is for U.S. citizens? 29%. So immigrants are far more educated. Maybe that's why these people hate immigrants. They're more educated than they are. Maybe that's what it is. Um, only 11% of those entering on family and diversity visas did not complete high school. Typically those are older parents, uh, which is, oddly enough, David, the same percentage as U.S. people. So they're no different than us, except they are more educated, generally speaking. Let's look at the labor force. Uh, so a, uh, a, the Federal Reserve uh, released Wednesday a survey of labor shortages around the country. Uh, this survey is really interesting. Um, uh, and uh, what it said, David, is that there, literally, that there are literally 
millions of open jobs in the United States. Millions. Um, and if there's millions of open jobs, David, why is anybody not working? And what is the percentage of people who are working? See, right now we are at our lowest levels of unemployment uh, in how many years? I mean, what did Trump say? 18, 18 years. So since, uh, oh, I hate to tell you this, David, since Bill Clinton was president. <laughs> Which, by the way, as, 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 as much as you don't like him morally, at least he worked with Republicans. And they balanced the budget. And they got stuff done. Might not like everything they did. I don't like a lot of stuff he did, but he did it. Uh, so in, in, since unemployment is 4%, and, and we're as a country are, what, 40 million people more than we were 18 years ago? 30 million people more than we were 18 years ago? So we've created all these jobs uh, over the last 18 years, despite a massive recession right smack dab in the middle of it. And we still have almost 6 million open jobs in America. 6 million open jobs in America. Uh, that is uh, just really a stunning, uh, stunning number uh, that we look at. Uh, so if the number is, uh, is that stunning, where are we going to get the workers to fill these 6 million jobs? Now, if unemployment rate's 4% and there's 170 million people in the workforce, one, that is uh, 4% of 170 million, David, is what we have, do your math for that. That's, uh, that's about 8 million people that are unemployed uh, in a country of uh, 325 million people. If you want a job today, David, can you get one? Yeah. So if you if you decided today, I'm done with America's Web Radio, I want to work at wherever, you could probably find a job, couldn't you? Uh, we, David and I are right across the street from a brand new, don't be jealous here, Chick-fil-A. Uh, David, I'm very excited. Nine days it opens. What happened to the old one? They tore it down. Yeah, I saw that. They tore it down and they built one that was bigger, but it's still just a, it's just a drive-through Chick Fil A for all my Chick Fil A fans. But does it really matter what kind of Chick Fil A it is, as long as it's a Chick Fil A and you can get a chicken sandwich and waffle fries? Except on Sunday. Except on Sunday, that's exactly right. Uh, that's okay because nobody nobody's where we are on Sunday, so that's quite all right. <laughs> so they advertise for two. I happen to know the owner, David. Two weeks for employees. Still haven't fully staffed the place. They can't get workers. They can't get workers. They're like you, David. You need somebody to work here with you. Can't get a worker. Um, now, that's going to cause wages to go up, inflation to increase. Um, but at the same time, you still don't have bodies. That's a function of demographics. I mean, this, this is more than anything else a function of U.S. demographics. You have 80 million-plus people in the the. Uh, uh, the generation that you and I, David, are part of. You're a baby boomer, right, David? You are born after World War II. I was born after World War II, before it cut off in 64. 80 million of us in the workforce. Generation behind us has 50 million. Uh, Gen Xers, Gen Ys, and whatever they call people born today, they're just not enough to replace us. As we retire, the only thing that's keeping America, the only thing that has kept America solvent financially since 1990 has been immigrants. We would have had no population growth over the last generation but for immigration. Uh, and that's where our population growth is focused on over the next generation. Uh, it is a key to the economic growth of the United States. Um, on, on, on entrepreneurship, immigrants 
are almost twice as likely as the native-born to become entrepreneurs. That's from the Kauffman Foundation. In the United States, immigrants increasingly contribute to entrepreneurship, uh, says economist Magnus Lofstrom. Immigrants account, get this, David, for more than 90% of the growth in self-employment since 2000. 90%. Now, here's the secret to that, David. A big chunk of those, undocumented. They, if you can't get a job for somebody else, you create your own business. You have your landscaping business. You've got your painting business. You've got your construction business. You've got your restaurant. You've got your supermarket. Uh, I know an immigrant, David, that we're working with him right now. Um, he entered into a, a uh, with an idea, and uh, we just started an immigrant green card for him through the Million Dollar Investor Program. This kid is a DACA kid and is now going to be able to obtain permanent residence as an EB-5 investor, as, as a, a million-dollar green card investor. David, this is amazing. This is what the power of immigration is. Um, <clears throat> and so why, you know, you think about it, so why does Trump want to cut immigration, legal immigration? Why does he want to cut it? Nobody wants illegal immigration. I mean, if there is a way to make it not happen, you know, that the way to do that, I mean, that's easy, David. We've, we've learned about that. You don't want illegal immigration? Expand legal immigration. Nobody wants to come illegally. Nobody says, oh, boy, I hope I can go to America illegally one day. People come illegally when there's no viable path. You want to increase illegal immigration? Pass this bill. Pass a bill that, el- that eliminates family immigration. I guarantee you, guarantee you, there will be an increase in illegal immigration. Guaranteed. From top to bottom, start to finish, beginning to end, Guaranteed. Write that down, David. Good news is not going to pass. So let's look at this idea this bill will help stop illegal immigration. Not true. Right now, with our current spending levels on immigration enforcement and the, the authority the government currently has, CBP, with much fanfare, in December of 2017 announced that in fiscal year 2017, CBP recorded the lowest level of illegal immigration to the United States. The lowest level ever on record. So what are we spending an extra $25 billion a year on if current enforcement and current laws work? Ah, you see, this is where race gets into it. If we know that something's working and we want to change it to something that we know will not work, there must be, and this, this follows what my friend David says all the time, when the government does something, that doesn't make sense. You have to follow the money. Follow the money. The the private prison corporations that are out there. Trump wants to um, uh, wants to have a multi billion dollar increase, four billion dollar increase, four billion. That's four hundred million millions increase in private prison and detention and enforcement by ICE next year. That's in his budget. $4 billion. Go to the stock market today and see what the price for CCA stock is for the private prison companies or whatever mythical name they call themselves. It's from the head of the Hydra. Um, it is... Um, uh, there is... There is no logical reason to support the shrinking of illegal immigration. There is no logical reason, economic reason, 
societal reason, none to support the, de- the, the demands of the Trump administration, who is holding us hostage for unreasonable, unsupported demands, the lives of 1.8 million dreamers. Now, I employ several of these young men and women. Uh, they are spectacular. They are amazing. But you know what? They're under extraordinary stress. What would you react to as an 18, 20, or 24-year-old, or a 15-year-old, or a 16-year-old, to what's going on with the game that Donald Trump is playing? You say, hey, I got these kids right here. I'm going to cut them off. March 5th, I'm cutting them off unless you give in to my demands. You know, David, you know what that's called? That's called hostage-taking. Donald Trump has taken the dreamers hostage for an immigration plan that has no basis in economics, uh, in uh, in growth, uh, in the way families live uh, uh, here in the United States and around the world, or even in our self-interest. There is nothing that explains this other than money and racism. And that's why... When you see who's advising Trump on this, because I think, I, I think Trump doesn't have the brains to figure this all out. You look at Stephen Miller. Uh, you look at the other, the other drones that used to work for senators like Sessions and Grassley that are staffing this part of the White House. Um, they hate immigrants for whatever reason. I mean, we know why Stephen Miller hates immigrants. He probably got beat up as a kid in Malibu by some, some Mexican immigrant kid, and he's hated him ever since. Uh, to go back and read that story in Vanity Fair. Fascinating story. Um, and yet, the continued attack on legal immigration, the continued attack without merit. For example, the, the, the Obama administration created a rule, David, to allow what we call the International Entrepreneur Rule. So if you want to come to America uh, and you can show that you're going to invest, that you're investing in America, you're creating jobs in America, we will parole you in to do that while you wait for an H-1B, the Trump administration wants to end that rule. What why? What economic reason would there be to end that rule? Uh, it, it would make no sense. None of this makes sense um, because of the massive economic harm that's going to do to our country and the massive society. It, it doesn't make sense unless you look at it as it's really intended to be looked at, which is through the lens of race and money. Um, what Congress should be doing as part of this bill is calling off the Trump attack dogs on um, limiting uh, the work visas that are available. Uh, they should be actually, uh, instead of reducing legal immigration, should look at ways to uh, make it easier to immigrate to the country if you are going to contribute nationally. So I have an idea, David. Let's take some half the diversity lottery numbers, keep half of it, for Africa and, and, and Eastern Europe uh, and some parts of Asia, but take half of that and let's let's do create a, a, a point basis. Let's see, let's test how this would work. Um, we should increase the number of employment-based green cards. Why are we limiting employment-based green cards if we already have to show there are no qualified workers to do the jobs? If there's no qualified workers to do a job, why is there any limit on this visa? Why? 
All we're saying is we couldn't get qualified workers. Okay, let's bring them in if we have to. Then, of course, Congress does need to pass the DREAM Act uh, to make this a viable, makes it, make it without, without these poison pills um, that are just terrible uh, as part of this bill. Uh, let's look at some of the poison pills. Um, uh, the signing of this deal that you are going to uh, um, uh, 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 be deported by your own agreement if you if you ever violate the law for any reason. <clears throat> uh, you have a good moral character check. Can you imagine David undergoing a good moral character check? Uh, you're going to make, make sure you're not watching porn on the internet. Uh, you, oh, sorry, you, you didn't go to church this week. Uh, that'd be the Mike Pence uh, version of good moral character. Therefore, you're deported. Um, it is. Uh, it is brutal. It is brutal, and and something that deserves a little more, uh, a little more than a debate than they're currently having. Uh, when you see when Congress actually listens to what the facts are instead of the the opinions driven by immigration haters, there is no way they can conclude that we should be shrinking immigration in a growing economy in a world where we're competing for talent, in a world where our biggest geopolitical opponent is five times bigger than us, population-wise. Talk about, America's been punching again uh, above its weight for a century. There's going to come a time when our arms get tired, and it's going to come a lot faster if we don't have immigrants. Dave, let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, abogado y jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Llámenos hoy si usted tiene problemas con inmigración, si ha sido arrestado, si se casó con un ciudadano o tiene una oferta de trabajo. Nosotros le podemos ayudar. También podemos explicar cómo, qué puedes hacer para recibir los beneficios de inmigración. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, 404-816-8611, o visítenos por el internet al www.immigration.net. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings for Medicine on Call and participate in a lively conversation. Learn what's happening behind the headlines in medicine. Understand Obamacare and learn how to protect yourself and navigate the system. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, it's the Olympics this week. Have you watched any of it? No. No, I haven't watched much either. Um, it's tough when it's 12 hours ahead of us uh, or behind us. I always forget which one it is. Um, but I want to talk about immigration in the Olympics because Donald Trump's plan for immigration would have made America a lot less competitive. Let's look at, for example, uh, U.S. figure skater Mirai uh, Tagasu, uh, 24. She completed the his first historic axle, triple axle during the Winter Games in Pyeongchang. Um, she would not be in the Olympics. She won the bronze medal, by the way. Uh, she would not be in the Olympics uh, if Donald Trump's plan was in place. Um, while she was born in America, 
Both her parents are Japanese immigrants who moved to California to have a sushi restaurant in the city of Arcadia. Um, she wouldn't be here under Donald Trump's plan. They wouldn't have met the criteria that he has put forward. Um, uh, Chloe Kim, 17-year-old snowboarder from Teen USA, is the daughter of a South Korean immigrant who arrived in Southern California with $800 in the pocket and worked as a dishwasher for a fast food franchise. Wouldn't be in the United States, wouldn't be on the Olympic team. The Shibutani siblings, Maya and Alex, a pair of figure skaters, ice skaters, uh, who won bronze medal on Monday, they're American by birth, but their father, Chris, is American by birth, but their mother, Naomi, is Japanese who grew up in Florida um, and would not have been in the United States uh, with, under Donald Trump's immigration plan. Uh, uh, Mamie, uh, Mame Biney, the first black woman in the U.S. Olympic speed skating team, came to the U.S. at the age of five from Ghana uh, because her dad was able to immigrate to America through family. Again, wouldn't be in the country because she's from one of those countries in Ghana. Uh, think about these. Members of Team USA are our, our, our proudest representatives who have dedicated their life to excellence in their sport would not be in the United States under Donald Trump's plan. That's what we're talking about. That is the face of immigration in America today. Today, David, there are 4.1 million U.S.-born children in the United States under the age of 18 with at least one undocumented parent who don't know whether tonight, when they come home, if their mom or dad will be in the house. That's that's what we're talking about. Uh, it is um, just remarkable that this is, um, uh, uh, you know, it, it's it's even that we're having this discussion in the midst of a, this is a discussion, David. I would have expected we would have had at the height of the recession, two thousand nine. Let's stop immigration to America. In fact, David, you and I were talking then. I remember the conversation. Should immigration be limited because of the recession? Should we cut down on people coming here? And David, you know, we didn't cut off immigration. Immigrants helped bring us out of that recession uh, as they came to America, as they started businesses, as they did work. That even, even in the deepest parts of the recession, Americans wouldn't do. You think Americans are going to do those jobs now when they can get a better job? When, when, when a Chick-fil-A can't even staff its restaurant in a, in a good community, in a nice place, uh, with kids who live here? Because they can't do it. It is, it is brutal. Um, it is absolutely brutal uh, that we are in this situation today and it's because again going back to, to race uh, one thing about these immigrants these famous these Olympians that are immigrants to the United States they are making America great every single day not again because America never stopped being great um, I am uh, remarkably frustrated David uh, by, by, by a lot of what's going on um, in the Senate and by a lot of these proposals um, and by the debate that we're going to have. Now, I will suggest to our listeners, if you're listening live, you need to be calling your senator. Now, I will tell you, calling my senator, my senator Purdue is, I'm not going to bother. It's not worth it. Uh, call a different senator. Call another state senator at 202-224-3121. 202-224-3121 and say, look, my senator's not supporting this bill because he hates immigrants. David, David Purdue is clearly very much against immigrants of any kind. He doesn't like for whatever reason, which is bizarre because he made his fortune on at Dollar General, which, and, you know, who shops at Dollar General? Poor people and immigrants. Um, and, you know, but to him, it, 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 it simply doesn't matter. Um, so he's not going to vote. But call 
224-3121 and ask to speak. It's Capitol Switchboard. Ask to speak to your senator. Call Senator Isaacson here in Georgia. Call Tom Tillis uh, in in North Carolina. Call uh, uh, call Murkowski in Alaska. Leave a message. Say, do you live in Alaska? No, but I know somebody who does, uh, and they support the immigration bill sponsored by the uh, the, uh, the 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 bipartisan caucus, which is going to be out there uh, now. Uh, as we uh, kick off this debate. As we uh, look at the amendments that aren't quite out there yet, uh, David, I want to let people know we will be discussing this on our Facebook page at Cook Baxter Immigration. Uh, We'll also be on on my page, Charles H. Cook, at Facebook. We're going to put it on our blog at immigration.net slash blog. Uh, And we are going to uh, really focus on the the various levels of um, uh, information that are being put forth by senators uh, as we try to uh, convince them uh, to uh, to pass a bill uh, that hopefully can pass the House, but we'll we'll worry about the House once the Senate gets done. Uh, I'm, uh, I know this last week uh, we, we you know we talked earlier in the show too about what's passed and what's not going to pass the House. Uh, the Senate passed, by the way, if you recall, in 2013, David, you and I did a show on this. Uh, a comprehensive deal with 68 votes, veto-proof majority, and Ryan wouldn't even consider the bill. Uh, I think that's because we didn't make it untenable. Uh, I, I think the Dreamers are more motivated now than they've ever been, and I think they, as, as, as leadership in this, and they deserve the leadership in this, it is them that has brought this debate forward through years of effort. It's not you know old white men like me. It's these Dreamers who have seized the political day, who understand the power of the, of the vote, which they do not control, who have convinced 86% of Americans that the DREAM Act should be the law in the land. Um, if we can't convince Paul Ryan uh, with 86% of the vote in America, then the House is truly broken, and we should all do everything we possibly can to make sure that Paul Ryan is no longer the Speaker in twenty on January of 2019, uh, it is going to be uh, a very difficult uh, bill um, uh, to move forward, but it's not impossible. And while I remain pessimistic about our ultimate chances, I do not remain pessimistic about the future. I know we will eventually pass a bill, and maybe the best chance for that bill is with a Democratic House and a Republican Senate in, 20, uh, in 2018. One thing I do know, and I believe this with all my heart, uh, that America will remain a country of immigrants. We will remain a beacon of light to the world. Even throughout the dire predictions and the terrible presidency of Donald Trump, we will survive, and we will exceed the expectations of, our, of, of people who want to find a scapegoat for their own life's problems. We will find a way. And immigration, I think, is is a key part of that journey forward. Um, David, I, I, um, I'm riled up today about this. Uh, I'm riled up. Uh, I will also note that uh, my favorite congressional representative, David's as well, Karen Handel, in day... Um, what day is this of her... Of her uh, 
in day 300 of her uh, term as a congresswoman, has still not taken a stance on the DREAM Act. Still. Um, we should bombard uh, uh, on Twitter at Rep. Karen Handel. Uh, question her. Why has she not taken a stand on the DREAM Act? Where is she on the DREAM Act? Why is she not talking about the DREAM Act? Why is she not supporting the DREAM Act? Uh, we need to make it politically untenable for Karen and Handel, in whose district 86% of the people support the DREAM Act in will not take a position on the DREAM Act. Uh, Karen Handel, perhaps, is more in love with Donald Trump than she is the people she represents. She is more in tune with people that... Uh, uh, that uh, like Donald Trump, who hate immigrants, than she is with members of her district. Uh, vast majorities of whom are immigrants. Uh, Alpharetta seeks to be an immigrant city. Uh, Sandy Springs is home to 18 different U.S. Con- consulates from abroad. Uh, her district is full of immigrants, and yet Karen Handel remains deaf and silent to the situation that they are in. So call her at 202 224 uh, 3121 and say Karen Handel I want you to support the DREAM Act and I live in your district thank you everybody for tuning in today on America's Web Radio the Immigration Hour we'll talk to you next week if you have any complaints David at America's Web Radio any praise Chuck at Immigration.net until next week Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Test.